0: Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Turn with us to Matthew chapter number 27. We'll take our text this morning from St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 27, Want we'll to begin uh, around verse number thirty-two. Matthew twenty-seven, verse number thirty-two. As they came out, they found a man of serene Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. When they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. When he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there and set up over his head his accusation, written, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. They that passed by reviled him wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now. If he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Father, thank you for your word. We pray for the unction, Father, to declare it, show what you've shown May we be obedient, Father, to this truth. We pray that it touch our hearts and we recognize the great gift that was given. We're trusting you, God, in all of this to send your spirit that in each and every heart you might, Lord, open that and, Lord, find your place in there that each and every one of us would be obedient and changed in this truth. We thank you for it as we ask it, believing as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take uh, this morning as a text, verse number 34, and I want to uh, just try to focus on one thing here. Uh, I don't know that I've ever uh, took this as a text before, but I want to leave this thought with you this morning. I was uh, I was talking to a fellow just a day or two ago, we were visiting, he's pretty sick and just got out of the hospital, and he was telling me what he had gone through. And uh, there were a time or two, he said, I, he told me, he said, I thought I was going to leave the world. He said, I told my son, he said, I'm going to leave you. And uh, he began to tell me what he was feeling at the time. He said, I could feel in my flesh that I didn't want to go. He said, but I also noticed that there was no fear. And he said, I don't know what I'll have to suffer in this world yet. He said, but I do know that Jesus suffered more. I want us to think this morning about the suffering, all the suffering of our Savior. And I want to use as a verse to begin today, verse number 34, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. I read in Matthew Henry's commentary, I, I jotted down just a couple of sentences. He said, let our hearts be touched with the feeling of that exquisite pain which our blessed Savior endured. And let us look upon him who was thus pierced and mourned, was ever sorrow like unto his sorrow. And when we behold what manner of death he died, let us in that behold with what manner of love he loved us. In John chapter number 7 verse 46 the officers that returned to the chief priests and the elders, when they said, why haven't you brought him? They said to them, never a man spake like this man. I'd like to say today that not only has never a man spoke like Jesus Christ, but never a man suffered like him. You'll find in First John chapter 3, the apostle said, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. I want us today as best as possible to see the love that was exhibited at Calvary. It's all through the gospels, by the way. The power of God unto salvation is the gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what I read to you this morning was the crucifixion, at least in part, of the Lord. And I want you to think this morning about how he suffered. No man ever suffered like this man. Now, there were many of men died on a cross. Many people were crucified by the Romans. It was one of their means of torture. Many people died. Many Jews died on a cross but nobody suffered like Jesus suffered. It was customary, I've read that when they were dying on the cross, one of the things the Romans would do was they would give them a mixture of cheap wine, basically vinegar wine. They would take the cheapest of wine and they would mix with it an herb. Mark said it was myrrh. You can read in the Gospel of Mark, he said it was myrrh. Here we find that Matthew called it gall. Regardless, it was an an anesthesia when mixed with that vinegar. And if he had drunk it, it could have dulled his senses. It could have taken away what Matthew Henry said was that exquisite pain. But what did Jesus do when they gave him Anesthesia. <laughs> he drank it not. You know why? <laughs> because he intended to take every bit of pain that you and I could ever suffer, he intended to receive it all at Calvary. Amen. Yeah. He took not that drink. He didn't receive it into his mouth. You'll find that just before he would give up the ghost, that he would cry, I thirst. He would cry, Eli, Eli, Lama My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And one of them ran. And they took vinegar on a sponge of hyssop not this concoction not this 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 mind numbing or mind altering uh, uh anesthesia but but they just took pure vinegar and they put it to his lips and it was enough for him to say unto them as he yielded up the ghost it is finished from his dry and parched lips, from his swollen tongue, from his thirstiness, from having lost all of his bodily fluids on the cross of Calvary that day. They gave him just enough vinegar upon his lips so he could whisper these words. It is finished. It is finished. Man, say to you today that the Lord Jesus Christ suffered more than any man has ever suffered. And when given the opportunity to relieve himself at least in part of some of that suffering, he refused, he refused to do anything less than receive the full brunt of your sin and mine upon himself. Oh, how staggering it is and how it ought to touch our hearts today to recognize that what Jesus did was he bore my suffering. He did what I could not do. He died in my place. Friend, I owed to God the justice, the penalty, the payment for my sin was this cross, but I couldn't carry it. Only Christ could bear it for me. And in that awful position, he refused. He refused to allow himself to be, to, to any part of the pain that you should have got that I deserve to get right now. Any part of the suffering that should fall upon me, any part of that pain and anguish that he endured, friend, was mine to have. It was my penalty to bear. And yet the Lamb of God bore it. And friend, he bore it all, not just in part, but he would not receive anything that would take away from the greatness of that pain. He took your pain on the cross. I'm so grateful today for the Lamb's love. (laughs) Amen. You can't say anything else about Christ except that he loved you. Oh, as he bore your sin on himself, he who knew no sin took upon himself your sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. (laughs) You see, it took the suffering of that cross I want to share it to you this morning that Jesus knew when he came into the world why he had come. He knew. May I say to you that it goes farther back than that? John chapter number 12, verse 27. He said, Now is my soul troubled. This is Jesus speaking. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I into the world. <laughs> you see, Jesus knew. Now you and I may suffer a tad down here. I don't really even call it suffering. What I seen my friend going through on Friday when I visited with him, that that might be suffering there. But I want you to know that Jesus suffered in my place and yet he knew before he was ever born of the virgin in Bethlehem why he was coming. Did you know he knew before the foundation of the world? I found several scriptures, but I want to read one to you. First Peter chapter number one, the the Bible said, for as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. May I say to you today that before Adam and Eve ever was, the Lamb of God knew that he would die for the sins of mankind. Before he would ever finish creation as as we know it before he would ever breathe into Adam the breath of life before he would ever walk with them in a garden before he would ever know that they had sinned in that garden and cast them out before any of that ever occurred the Lamb of God the Father himself they all made up their mind that the only way to save man was for the Lamb of God to die for them. Four ordained. He knew before the foundation of the world that he would give his life for his own creation. And yet you reject him today. And yet you turn away this suffering Savior who knew all along, knew as he came of the Holy Spirit and was born of the virgin that day, knew why he had come when his mother and father at 12 years old one day had lost him there in Jerusalem. And three days later, figuring out he was missing, they went back trying to find him. And when they finally did, he was with the doctors and the lawyers and the scribes in the temple. And he was asking them questions. And they were asking him questions. And the Bible said when they came to him, he told his mother and father, he said, Wished you not that i be about my father's business? He knew from the beginning that he was going to suffer. He that being born into this world that a cross would be his end he knew for him that you and I were the ones that were to receive for him the just reward of what he would do on that cruel cross he received no comfort in that day there was nothing but humiliation and pain that he received in his body and he did it all that you could go for him oh what a suffering savior You say, did he really know? Did he really know that he would have to go to that cruel cross? Did he really know the depth of suffering and pain that he would have to endure? Yeah, he knew. I want to take a look at that this morning as the means of our text this morning. I want to look at what God did through one man, the prophet Isaiah. You'll find that Isaiah penned In Isaiah chapter 53, some 750 years before Christ would be born, he would pen one of the most accurate depictions of the suffering of the Savior, and he did it 750 years before. You say, did Jesus really know what was going to happen? Oh, and did he? Oh, oh, he knew. Knew the very depth of pain. He knew the suffering that he would have to carry in this flesh, and yet he gave himself a ransom for our soul. He became the propitiation for our sins. The Lamb of God suffered as no man has suffered. Isaiah would say it like this, and I found it easier to look at the look at Isaiah's prophetic vision. It was just as easy to look at it as it was to read Matthew 27. I found that everything that 750 years before the prophet would write down, amen, line up exactly with what would take place with our suffering Savior. Look with me today in Isaiah chapter number 53. I'm not going to look at all of them, but I do want to look at a few verses this morning. Verse number four, the Bible said... Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Let me say to you that there was a carrying of grief that was upon my Savior. I don't know about you, but grief is something we do experience down here. When you experience the loss of someone you love, And I'm gonna use someone because if you grieve over something, you need to really get your priorities in order. Our flesh tends to grieve over things that probably need not grieving over. And yet when you lose somebody you love, you're gonna grieve. Amen, that's a natural part of the process. It's going to happen to you. doesn't make any difference how old you are, how young. You're going to experience grief. But I want you to know that the Lord Jesus experienced more grief than you and I could ever in a lifetime combine to to be. I want you to know that Jesus experienced my grief and he carried my sorrow. Yeah. You can see in the same chapter of Matthew. You can find where the Lord Jesus leaving the supper that night went into the garden of Gethsemane and he told three of his disciples here, he said, you stay here while I go over yonder and pray. And The Bible said as he went to pray that his soul became exceeding sorrowful, exceeding sorrowful. Three times he would pray fervently in the flesh. Three times he would pray. The first time, even after praying, God sent an angel down to strengthen his physical body. You say, how come? Because the grief that he was bearing in that moment, the sorrow that he was carrying for you and I was beyond, I believe, what any earthly man has ever borne. It's only the Son of God who from the beginning of time had friend all the way to that, that day, a friend could know the depth of sorrow and the depth of grief that mankind should bear uh, with the, the heinous wickedness of our sin condition friend, God knew all of that and he laid it on Jesus that day. The Bible said in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus would pray in such agony. The writer would say that his sweat became, as it were, great drops of blood. Now, I'd like to say this, the fact that he was sweating while he was praying is an indication of that the grief was great, and that it was hard and that the pain of it was exquisite as Matthew Henry would say. Oh, but listen to me today. He bore it all, oh, the grief and the sorrow that should have been on you and it should have been on me. The Lamb of God received it that day when he went under God and he prayed and he asked him, he said, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me he said let it be he said but not my will but thine be done and he prayed for you and he took the grief and the sorrow upon himself in such a magnificent way that even the sweat became as great drops of blood the capillaries of his flesh began to burst in the agony and the emotion and the weight of that sorrow and grief They've tried to depict what the Lord would have looked like. But let me tell you something, when you sweat, it just comes from every part. Amen, when you sweat, amen, it comes from every pore of your body. I want you to know when they found him that night, they would have looked upon him and he'd have had blood amen, it would have been all over him and it didn't say little drops it said great drops of blood is what it looked like and that was coming from his flesh you say preacher why is it important that I understand what Jesus went through friend listen to me, if you don't understand friend what it took to pay the price of your sin, you may never understand how wicked your sin is, you may never understand what depravity that mankind is in, apart from Jesus Christ but he bore it all for you at Calvary he took all of it for you (laughs) I can't help it if you don't love him I can't help it if you're so lazy you can't raise a hand and say thank you I can't help it if there ain't enough spirit of God in you to say amen I can't help it but I refuse to be a part of it Amen. What he did for me, nobody else could do. He lifted me up out of that horrible pit, out of the very clay. And, brother, the only way he could do it was to take every one of my filthy, humiliating, embarrassing, and wicked sins upon himself, the darling, spotless love of God. And he suffered as no man has ever suffered. He did it because he loved me. I bless him today. I bless his holy name. Because when he was praying in the garden, I believe we crossed his mind. When he's praying in the garden and his flesh, for it began to uh, accept that great drops of blood and he was experiencing the pain and the agony and the grief of it all. He was doing it for you and I. He was doing it for you and I. And yet we come into a service so flippantly. We approach the throne of God with even a bit of arrogance and self-righteousness still in our, let me tell you something, had the Lamb of God not bore your sin and your grief, amen, you'd be one, amen, in hell today. You'd already be there, amen, suffering the torment of that awful place. God has made a way for you to be saved today. Amen. Amen. In 750 years before it ever happened, he'd pin it down. He'd pin his plan down for (laughs) you. Oh, what a God. Oh, what a God. Oh, he said, Surely he hath borne our grief, he's carried our sorrow. Surely, surely he has has done all of this so that you could be saved. Oh, that we can see that the Lamb of God in this work was doing a work. He was making a way for you and I. I want to skip a verse or two. Let me read to you Isaiah 53, verse number 7. It says, He was oppressed. And he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. May I say to you, just as soon as they came that night and they took Jesus, they carried him into two different courts. He'd be tried by two different types of people. Three different times he would have to stand before them. He'd go before Pilate twice end up. But we found there that he went first to Caiaphas's hall. And may I say to you today, according to the Word of God, there were some times during that whole process that he could have spoke a word. He could have said anything. They were asking him questions and he opened not his mouth. Amen. When they blindfolded him and they punched him in the face as hard as they could. Amen. The Lamb of God didn't say a word. They said, prophesy who hit you. Amen. He knew who Hit him. He knew the very man. He knew what his name was. He knew everything about it. And yet he opened not his mouth. Isaiah would say he wouldn't open his mouth when it happened. And that's exactly how it happened. Amen. He suffered all of that for you. Oh, I'll tell you right now, the Lamb of God could have done anything he wanted to at that moment. Yep. You don't think for a minute that though they had him bound by ropes and had him blindfolded yeah. that he was powerless. No, not even close. In that very instant he could have spoke a word. He could have whispered a thought. He could have said anything. And every one of their breath would have left their body and had fell his corpse to the floor. Amen. They were in the presence of life and they were in the presence yeah. of the one that can take life. And I want you to know today he opened not his mouth. He could have. He could have defended Himself. He could have said what He wanted to say, but He didn't open His... He took your grief and your sorrow and your burden upon Himself He bore it all for you. you. He did it all for you. you. No, He wouldn't take the vinegar with gall. No, when He tasted it, He refused it. He wouldn't drink it. No, there wouldn't be anything that would take away from the pain of the cross. No, because for the foundation of the world, it had already been settled that he would have to suffer for man's sin. That God would make him the propitiation for our sins. Let me go back now to verse number five, Isaiah 53 and five. It said, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. I wonder today, amen, 750 years in advance, he was able to write concerning the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said bruised, bruised. He was wounded for our transgressions. Oh, may I say today that the bruises he received, amen, from being hit in the face... By, by those wicked hypocrites. Amen. The bruises that he received by being bound and drug on. The bruises that he received and the wounds that he received by being tied. Amen. To that scourging post where they would take that, that awful instrument of torture and they would beat him with it. Those, those leather straps with bone and metal tied on the ends of them as they'd come across his back and they'd wrap around his flesh and when they'd jerk it back it would peel the flesh away from his bone and the blood flying everywhere and the pain excruciating and as he was tied to that post he stood there because Greg Willis was going to hell hey, he yeah. stood there because Larry Hare was going to hell and they not no hope for him he stood there because Happy was going to hell without hope and he stood for you and me and he, took it, he took it all That I'd have an opportunity to say yes to Christ one day. Mm -hmm. He bore all of my sin. He wouldn't take the vinegar mixed with gall. He wouldn't drink, as Mark would call it, that vinegar wine mixed with myrrh. No. No, there was no antidote for the suffering of Christ. There was nothing to give Him comfort. There was nothing He'd receive that would reduce the pain or the struggle or the heart or the conflict that was going on in His cell. Let me tell you something. He did all of that that you could go free. He did all of that because He loves you today. Wouldn't even take something that might have helped. Wouldn't swallow it. No, there wouldn't be anything that would alter his mind. There wouldn't be anything that day that would dull his senses. No, he intended for every nerve in his body to receive that that excruciating pain that should have been on. You say, preacher, why did he have to go to that length? Because you're so lost. Because I was so lost. Amen. He had to to take every bit of the punishment. Amen. If there was anything left over, if there was one thing that got missed, if there was one part of the payment that didn't get paid, then you might not have a chance to go. And yet Jesus bore it all for you and I. He suffered it all. Isaiah 53, 6. I'll end with this one. He said, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Not only did he receive the wounds, not only did he receive the bruises, not only did every part of his physical body scream and that, that pain that was going through him. But there we find that even on the cross, they mocked him. They humiliated him on the cross. Isaiah said it like this. He said, all we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone is turned to his own way. There wasn't many there at the cross that day that was for him. His mother was there. John was there. We know the conversation that took place between him and John as he hung there. In a crucified form, we know what took place there. I believe a bunch of us are watching from a distance. A bunch of them had already run, had already fled. Most of them that was there that day were the cruel Roman guards that would execute this torment, but also was the chief priest and the scribes and the elders, these wicked hypocrites who had lied and done everything possible to to cause this man this kind of pain. And as they walked in front of him, they wagged their heads. Let me tell you something. When they were looking upon him... They were looking at the creator of the universe. Yeah. They were looking upon the one that breathed into existence every living soul. They were looking at the one that made the mountains and the sea and the stars and the sun and the moon. They were looking at the one. Amen. That had created all and had done it all. And they were looking at him while they wagged their heads and said, he saved others. Himself he cannot save. If you be the Son of God, come down from the cross. <laughs> Let's see, they said, if God will have him. For he said, he is the Son of God. He, did, he took all of that from us. According to the Word of God, the Bible said on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do as they wagged their heads and they mocked him in that crucifixion, I'm talking about the king of glory for them is who they nailed to that cross As they wagged their heads and they mocked him, as the two thieves at one point both both did the same thing, cast in their teeth that same kind of that same kind of hatred for him. And as they as he said Eli Eli, Lama Sabata, they said he calls for Elias. Let's see if Elijah will come help him. Let's see if somebody can help him. He saved others, but he can't even save himself. You better thank God today. He didn't die on the cross to save himself. He died on that cross to save you. Amen. The only way that you and I would get saved is for him to go through it all. Amen. All of it. He had to drink all of the cup. That cup of bitterness that he had seen in the garden. That cup of bitterness and woe that he had seen so clearly in the garden that he knew was coming within hours his flesh would be in that pain. He knew that cup. And yet that night he drunk it all. That day he bore it all in his own flesh. The suffering of mankind was all laid upon the sinless Savior that before the foundation of the world was foreordained to come. What are you going to do with this crucified Christ? Everything that he went through wasn't for himself. No, at any moment, according to the gospel, I ain't making this up, according to the gospel, at any moment he could have called and there would have been legions of angels. They would have come right like that and whisper. They took him off that cross. I had no doubt in my mind if they took him off that cross, they'd have destroyed everybody standing around him. But <coughs> he didn't save God. No. Um, of course he didn't come to save himself. He came to save you. you're coming out of that. You are rejecting the opportunity to be born again. After all that he did for you to be born again, people turn it away every day. They walk away from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for their sins. Come get a song. But I ain't going to leave him on the cross. Amen. He told him, he said, I've got power to lay it down he said, I've got power to take it up again. Amen. That's right. See, Jesus was able to do what none of us are able to do. He could lay it down. Anybody in this room it can, just because you decide to, expire. I mean, I, wa- I watched uh, poor Christy go through it there a couple of weeks ago with her husband. Old flesh hung on, hung on for days. Old flesh just held on and just kept living. Long after the brain activity was gone, that old flesh just kept, kept holding on. There ain't a person in here that because you want to, because you decide to, can lay your life down. You can't cause yourself, you can't make yourself just die. But the Bible teaches us that it wasn't them that took his life on the cross. No, he gave it. He gave it. And when everything that he was to endure for you, the excruciating pain, all the suffering, when he had drunk all of that cup, he said, It is finished. And the Bible said that he gave up the ghost. He died for you. It was coming on the Sabbath. It was coming, see Friday, sunset. Starts the Sabbath. And it's already past three. At sunset, the Sabbath began. They said, we got to get him down before the Sabbath begins. Can't do no work on the Sabbath. We got to get him down before the Sabbath. The Bible said, "Old Joseph of Arimathea, he went straight to Pilate himself and he begged. He begged him. I like that, don't you? He begged him. Joseph of Arimathea had made up his mind, Brian. He said, I don't care who knows it the man that was just crucified on that cross. I love him. And I believe he's the Savior. Joseph begged for the body. Pilate was amazed. He said, he's dead already? He said, yeah, he's dead. He asked the daughters. They said, yeah, he's dead. We stuck a spear in his side and emptied him just to be sure. He's dead. Joseph took him down from the cross. I don't know if he knew it, but Nicodemus was on his way. The Bible said he had a hundred-pound of ointment. Amen. He had he had a bunch. One of them took the cloth, and the other took the spikenard. And they began to dress that dead body. They wrapped him up in them grave clothes. And the two of them men. They'd forever be an outcast from the temple for this action. They'd forever be despised by all the scribes and the elders. They would forever be marked by all of the religious hypocrites of that day, but these two men no more cared what nobody else thought. They wrapped him in them grave clothes, and them two men carried him to Joseph's new tomb he had just had completed. And they laid him in there. The Bible said they rolled a stone in front of the door just to appease them hypocrites. Pilate put guards at the door and sealed the tomb. Nobody in, nobody out. And they thought that's the end of him. That's all there was to that. We win. He did all that for me. Well, let me tell you the greatest part. The Bible said very early in the morning. Sun hadn't even really rose good, but it was just about there. Mary and Mary Magdalene, the mother of Jesus, they all had, as custom was, was to go back and to anoint his body again. And they set out on that dark trail that morning. It wasn't daylight yet, but they intended to be there just as soon as the light. Soon as the light. One of them said, How are we going to roll a stone away? No answer to that one. And they kept on walking. And yet when they got near that old tomb, they noticed the stone was already moved. And one of them noticed there's some somebody sitting on that rock. The angel. Because they was terrified at what they angel said, Don't be afraid, for I know who you're seeking. You're looking for Jesus. He's not here. He's risen just like he said. Now, you go back and tell his disciples what you've seen. He did all that for me, Greg. He did all that for me. That's Sunday morning. Them two old boys, they headed back home. They couldn't travel on the Sabbath. They stuck in Jerusalem all day on the Sabbath, but but they headed back. They headed back on Sunday. The Bible said Jesus saw them. He just joined himself to them. He said, Hey, what are you so sad about? They said, Why, man, have you not heard? The one we thought was the Messiah, the Son of God, said they crucified him they've laid him in a tomb and then these gals come back this morning saying he ain't there and the Bible said that Jesus from, from that he began to preach to them himself they made it all the way to their house they still hadn't figured out his him and they said stay with us evening's on us You don't need to travel. Just stay right here. And they just bit him and he went in with them. And about the time they set some bread on the table, he broke it and he blessed it. And it said their eyes was opened then. But he had gone. That one looked at the other and he said, that was the Lord. Yeah, he said, didn't our heart burn within us when he spake? And they let out from there and they ran all the way back to Jerusalem. What they didn't know, Jesus had beat them there. Them old disciples were gathered in that room. Jesus, the doors were shut and locked and Jesus stepped in without opening the door. He did all that for you. He did all that for you. And he sits today on the right hand of the Father. And he. He loves you. I've tried to describe how much he loves you. The best we can do to show how much Jesus truly loves you is to tell you about the cross and the suffering that he bore. He did all of that because he loves you. Takes me back to 1 John 3 and 1, it's where we started. John said, Behold, what manner of love hath been bestowed upon us that we've been called the sons of God. Behold, behold. Look, look this morning. Listen, sinner, if you're here, friend. Look, it was all for you. It was all for you. He wants to save you today. Would you come to him? Would you come to the Christ? As we stand and sing this morning, the invitation is for you to come. Would you come? He can save you today. He can save you. He loves you.